From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I'm your host, Karamo. And on this episode, I'm talking to my dear, dear friend and brother for life, Bobby Burke. He is not only the design expert on the hit Netflix show, Queer Eye, which I'm also on, he is also a successful entrepreneur. But what makes Bobby's story so exceptional is that he has had one of the most interesting life journeys I have ever heard. Bobby is a man that has dealt with being homeless, being in jail, being alone, and feeling afraid. But he never gave up on himself, even in the darkest moments, which has led him to finding love, happiness, and success. I know after you hear Bobby's story, you will understand why me and the rest of the world love him so much. So without further ado, let's start talking and growing friends. Hey, friends! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Friends, I am so excited for my guest today because this is someone who I love, who I admire, who I respect, who is my Kiki buddy. If you don't know what Kiki means, I'll teach you later on this podcast. It is my castmate and friend, the talented, the amazing Bobby Burke. Bobby, thanks for joining me. Hello, of course. Finally, right? Finally, our lives both calmed down enough to be able to do this. I know. And you've been the one that I have been wanting on my show. I mean, I love Anthony coming on. Tan has come on as well. And your schedule is so busy. And so I'm thankful that we now have a little bit of downtime for you to be on the show. I know, right? I am very thankful for this little bit of downtime, actually. <laughs> so as anybody pays attention to our social media, they will probably know that um, we all do love each other as a Fab Five, but you are the one that I am closest to. I like to tell people that if we now had a chance to run the world, ooh, baby. <laughs> And you know it's true, Bobby, because we have yep. done some stuff to make the world a better place. <laughs> <laughs> when our powers combined, okay, we are Captain Planet. I'm, I'm just saying. It's true. I mean, we are both the type of people who have gotten where we are by working our butts off and never taking no for an answer. So when we put our minds to something, stuff happens. <laughs> that is so true. And that's one of the reasons that I respect you and love you so much and why I think that we connected, because... You and I have very similar hustles in life. Of course, you know, the other guys in the Fab Five, they all have had their own struggles and had their own hustles. But for you and I coming both from Texas and some of the things that we have been through, and I want to kind of dive into that with you because your story is profound and so amazing and inspiring. And I don't think enough people know it. You were adopted. You were then homeless. You had to hustle to find your passion, and then you end up being a millionaire and a television star, international television star. And that is a journey that 
as someone who used to work in social services and saw kids who were homeless, that's a journey that a lot of people in those spaces don't assume can happen for them. And that's why I think your story is so powerful. So I first want to talk about your childhood. So can you talk about your experience growing up? I was adopted by my aunt and uncle. My biological mother was very young when she got pregnant. And so her older sister and husband adopted me. I found out, I think when I was like eight. So I knew most of my life that I was adopted. I don't know. A lot of people, I think it can affect more than it did me. And who knows? Maybe it hasn't has affected me and I just haven't admitted it to myself. But not that I was glad that I was adopted, but I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Of course. Um, and that's kind of how I look at my entire life. You know, there has been some major downs and some major ups, but I've always been exactly where I was supposed to be. Because if I was not at that place at that time, no matter how good or how bad, I wouldn't be at this place at this time. I don't think I've ever asked you this, but you still talk to your biological mother? Yeah, when I, when I was little, basically my aunt and my biological mother just switched roles. So my biological mother became my aunt. And I thought of her as just my aunt until I was eight. Um, and then my, my biological aunt and uncle, you know, became my mom and dad. And I, I still think of them that way. I, you know, I talk to my quote unquote biological mother quite often, but, you know, I still think of her as my aunt because that's how I grew up with her as my aunt. She has a daughter who is 32, 33 now. I think of her a bit more as my sister now because we've gotten closer, we've gotten older, but, you know, I always grew up with her as my little cousin. Yeah. I never had to go through what a lot of adoptees go through where wondering where they came from. Um, looking for their mm -hmm. adopted family, you know, just trying to find that history of who they are genetically. I knew. I didn't know who my biological father was until I was about 14. And then when I was 17, I met him. But I have two amazing parents, so I, I didn't really need another one. So him and I have kept in contact throughout the years, but I'm not close with him. Um, my biological mother, though, I'm, I'm still close. It's just, you know, it's all the rest of my aunts. Yeah, this is so interesting. And it shows a lot about your character because you've shown us the beauty of the ability to forgive, to love, and to also understand that family is what you want it to be. It doesn't have this binary definition. How do you think you found such clarity at such a young age? I think that being adopted, you instantly realize, I mean, hopefully if you've come into a good adoptive situation, you instantly realize that family is not about blood. Family is about who loves you and who takes care of you and who is there for you. So I think as a young child, I learned that your family is a chosen family. Your family is who you choose. You know, your family is who chooses you. So I, I think that's why I, as an adult, I'm so very fluid with the definition of family, because to me, it's always been a very different definition than what most people would consider quote unquote family. So, and you left your home when you were 15. I did. There was many, many years where my parents and I did not get along. My mother is very, very, very much that kind of worry wart. God bless her. You know, she's just, she's always so concerned and worried about everything, <laughs> which then made her very, very controlling of me in my childhood because she was just always very worried something was going to happen to me. So she's very protective and very controlling. And I'm my own person. I'm a very free spirit. Um, and so we locked horns a lot. Having realized I was gay and wearing a mask every day, that kind of made me a very angry person. When there's not one person in the world who knows who you are and you can't really be honest with anyone about literally who you are, where you're having to lie every single day, 
it starts to wear on you and it starts to make you angry. And I remember growing up that my mom always thought that I was angry because I was adopted. And she always felt mm. such guilt for causing me to be angry because I was adopted. And I was like, that really so far down on the list, that doesn't bother me at all. Actually starting at like 14, I think I left home once, but then I came back and it wasn't until 15 that I really was like, all right, never again. Am I coming back? Peace out. And it, it was a combination of things. It was home life was getting a little worse as I was getting older, I was pushing back harder. You know, at 15, my bedtime was still 8.30 at night. Mm. Like, that's how, like, overprotective my mom was. I wasn't even really allowed to go out with the youth group after church because she was always afraid, well, what if something happens to you? So I started pushing back a little harder, you know, and she started pushing back a little harder. And it just, it became just constant fights. Coupled that with the fact that, you know, I knew I was gay. I knew I couldn't come out, not only at home, but even in my hometown, you know, somebody else had come out and um, some cowboys ran him off the road and tried to kill him one night. So I, I knew coming out was not an option for me, but I also knew that not coming out was not an option to me. You know, either option, coming out at home might have ended in death, but also staying in the closet at home would have probably definitely ended in death. Yeah. Um, so I knew that I had to leave for multiple reasons. And so... One night, my parents and I got in a big argument, and I ran upstairs, and I locked my door, and I packed some crap, and I shimmied out the window and down the, the rain gutter and never went back. Where did you go? I couch surfed at friends' houses. I lived in my car. There was a few nights, you know, I lived on the street. So I, I kind of bounced around until first I went to Branson, Missouri. Then I ended up deciding I did not want to leave school because I, I left home about a month before my sophomore year ended. And I continued to drive back to my little hometown every day to go to school. Mm. And the next year I was like, I can't go back to that school. Everyone's found out I'm gay. So I decided to enroll in Kickapoo High School, which is where Brad Pitt went. <laughs> in Springfield, Missouri. I'm just going to start calling you Kickapoo. I'm be like, hey, Kickapoo. It was called Kick a Prep because it was a very preppy school. Yeah. <laughs> so I went there for probably about a month until I realized that I couldn't afford to go to school and pay rent and eat. So I left school. I was going to just take a, like a month or two off or a semester off and save up some money. But then I never went back. Started selling long distance service at MCI. And I was like, Ooh, I'm making money. I'm going to do this the rest of my life. <laughs> You got bit by that coin. You were like, I like a coin. I'm okay with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like, I don't need I don't need to go to high school. I'm gonna sell long distance forever. There's no way this industry will ever end. <laughs> you know, again, these are the reasons why I say you're extraordinary because all of the statistics that people hear, which you know, sometimes statistics, of course, inform, but also if you're part of that quote unquote statistic, it can beat you down because when you hear a narrative being told about yourself, like if you don't go to high school, you're, there's no success. And this is not something that we're encouraging, but I think hearing someone say, this was a choice I had to make in the moment for my safety and for my well being, that I still was able to navigate and find success is I think a healthy narrative to, to share for someone who could be in that position. You know, I know you, you've never advocated for someone to run away and you've never advocated for someone to drop out of school. But I also know what it's like working with kids in social services who are like, my safety 
is dependent upon me not going back to that school or not being in that home. And I don't know what to do. And to hear someone like you say, yeah, I made that choice, but I still was able to find and make other choices to be successful, I think could really inspire a lot of people. I actually went from Missouri to Denver. I was in Denver for about three and a half, four years, and then New York. I think if I had went directly from Missouri to New York, that would have been too big of a step. I remember the first day I moved to Denver, I came up over that hill with my U-Haul and saw how big the city was and pulled over on the side of the road and started crying, going, oh my God, I've made the biggest mistake. I'll never make it in the city. It's so big. And then three years later, I was like, oh my God, this town is so small. I've got to get out of here and go to New York. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like Bobby Burke. That sounds exactly like Bobby Burke of like, hold on, this is great, but no, 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 bigger and better. That's why your designs are so good on the show. Let's just be real because you push it. So what people don't know, and this is sidetracked because I'm going to get back to when you move to New York and the hustles and everything. But what people don't know, which I love about you, is that Bobby Burke on show day will walk into a house and be upset with his own work because he wants it to be bigger and better. And the rest of us will walk in and be like, look how amazing this is. Oh, my gosh, this is gorgeous. Like, I mean, like the place looks stunning. It like it look, it's revamped. And you, you're never satisfied. You're like, no, 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 it should be better an hour, 30 minutes before we start shooting, you're still directing your team on things to change. Am I lying? No, I mean, that's, I think, one of the keys to my success. I'm always striving for more. I'm always striving to make things better, to surpass what I've done before. And I I think that's really important, no matter what industry you're in, you should always be you know, not not comparing yourself to others to set your bar, but you should always be comparing yourself to yourself to set the bar. You should always be pushing yourself to do better than you did before. Mm-hmm. You know, usually when people strive for something and have this greatness, it usually stems out of some type of fear or um, idea that something could go wrong. What You know, you always striving for more and being better. Is that coming from the fact of like knowing that you know, you, you, there was no option for you to turn back to, you know, like because you left the home so early? You know, I think it's a combination of things. I, I think it is that there's no safety net. There's no running home to mom and dad. There's no anything. If I don't get that paycheck, if I don't have a place to live, I don't have anything to eat. So it was a combination of literal survival. Mm-hmm. I think my whole life has just been kind of like, a, I'll show you. Mm. You know, I'll show you, mm. you know, growing up, I, I heard a lot that I'd, I'd never make it. You know, I think at one point my mother and I were having an argument. She's like, you're just going to end up in jail one day. And granted, she was right. I did. But just for a <laughs> night, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I think it's kind of always been, you know, like, I'll, I'll show you. I will show you that you were not right, that I can do whatever I set my mind to and I can be successful at it. And I, I think, you know, a lot of times people will be like, oh, well, that's not that a great attitude to have of, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just going to show you. And I'm like, you know what, if that's where you need to find that energy and that passion to push through. Yes, it is. That's great. Yeah. Even that statement your mother said at that time, which I know she's grown from um, because I know how much she loves you and supports you. But how did you allow yourself not to be broken by that statement? Because that's something that would break a lot of people. You know, I know you said, oh, I'll show you. But what was your train of thought so that you weren't broken? Was there affirmations you said to yourself? What was it? You know what? Honestly, I don't know if I can I can pinpoint an exact thing that I was thinking that that caused me to keep going. I really do think it was just though, like a, 
I, I will prove you wrong. You know, I will not be what you say I am going to be. I will be what I say I'm going to be. You say so much stuff and I, it's, I don't want to skim over stuff because you and I are close friends, but you just talked about jail when you said your mom said, you know, you're going to end up in jail and you're like, uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, people would look at you <laughs> and be like, Bobby's so squeaky clean. You know, like he loves painting everything blue gray. <laughs> I'm joking. I know that's the trigger, but you were in jail. You got locked up. And, you know, you made it through that. What was that experience like for you once you got locked up? Not to, you know, we all know it was hard, but like, did you think at that moment, like, oh, shit, this is done? Which, t- which time? Ooh. Um. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, there were, uh, I think two times in Missouri that I went to jail and the two times in Missouri were both for unpaid tickets. Sadly, the system in this country, if you're poor, it just keeps fucking you even more. Mm, You know, I would get speeding tickets and I wouldn't be able to pay them because I could barely afford gas in the car. I was getting those tickets in. And so the tickets would come due and I wouldn't be able to pay them. So then the tickets would turn into double fees. And of course I sure wouldn't be able to pay that. Mm. And then that would turn into a warrant. And then, you know, you get pulled over again and you go to jail because literally you just don't have money to pay fines. Yeah. So that happened twice in Missouri. And then I went to jail once in Miami because Um, I was at a restaurant and a long story short, the manager of the restaurant called me a and grabbed the face of my friend who started going off on him because he called me a and told her to get the hell out of his restaurant too. So we called the police on him for assault, for assaulting her. And the police came and, you know, it was a good old white boy police officer who sided with the manager and came out and told us that, all right, you know, you have two options. You can shut the hell up and go home or everyone can go to jail. And I said, well, 
everyone needs to go to jail then because this is not right. And a point needs to be made. Yeah. And they swung me around and handcuffed me. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. You said everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, you're the only dumbass that opened your mouth. So I went to jail that night. Yeah. I never went to jail for anything crazy. You know, it was a, just for being poor. I went to jail twice for being poor. Um, and the second time for being gay, I guess you could say. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you have this record, which now follows you throughout. Because Mm -hmm. I remember when you had to share with Netflix that you had been in jail. We were all together and you had told me first because we had to travel or something. Was that what it was? After we got cast, you know, there was still a process from us getting cast to actually getting in front of that camera. And part of that Mm -hmm. process was extremely extensive background checks into all of us because, you know, Netflix is not going to put people on TV and then six months it comes out that, you know, one of us was a murderer or something bad. So Netflix was very, very militant about making sure that there were no skeletons in our closets. Mm -hmm. You know, they were like, tell us about your past. So I had to tell them about all that. And there was a point where I actually thought I was not going to be able to be on the show yeah. because of that arrest in Miami. Mm. And luckily, obviously, everything worked out. They realized that this is actually a positive part of my story and not a negative part of my story. And, you know, going back to, you know, people thinking, oh, well, you know, you're, you're saying you were arrested because you were poor. That, that's bullshit. Well, here's the thing. If I were rich and I got a speeding ticket, I'd have paid it and I'd have went on. Yep. But the fact that I got the exact same speeding ticket as somebody with money, but I just couldn't afford to pay it. And because I couldn't afford to pay it, I then went to jail. That's that's literally because I was poor. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously. And, and this is just going back to the perpetual cycle of how our country keeps the poor poor. As you know, I'm a spokesperson for Target now. Mm-hmm. And it's such a full circle moment because I actually worked for Target when I lived in Springfield, Missouri. And I worked there for one day. And I worked there for one day because I went through the interview process and, you know, I've, I've never not gotten a job that I've interviewed for. So they loved me. They hired me. I started my training. And then the next day, human resource manager comes in and said, oh, we ran your background and we see that you were arrested. I'm sorry. We have to let you go. Because the thing is, there's always that little box on the application that says, have you ever been arrested? And I quickly learned that the moment you check yes on that box, it doesn't matter what you were arrested for, you are not getting a call back. Mm. Mm. So I would always have to take a chance and not check the box and just cross my fingers that they weren't actually going to run a background check on me, but they did. And they're like, unfortunately, since you lied on your application, we have to let you go. And so that, that actually happened to me in multiple jobs to where I, A, just didn't get a call back and they told me it was literally because they can't hire somebody who had been arrested or because I left it off and they found out and they let me go for lying on the application. Yeah. When in fact, they would have never even given me the job to begin with if they had known. I was prevented from getting jobs. I was fired from jobs because of that arrest from just being poor, yeah. which then prevented me from not being poor. It's just a, you know, that's a whole nother podcast, but... <laughs> These are the things and the conversations that we should be having. The fact that you can be a poster man for the fact that this is an issue. Nothing has changed about your character and who you were. 
It was literally your income that changed, that allowed this new opportunity. And we have to continue to advocate and speak up about these things so that we understand that when we do this, we're taking away opportunities from people who are worthy, whether it's because of their race, their gender, or their sexual expression. And so I really want to get to um, Bobby Burke design because you sent it on us earlier and let us know that Bobby Burke is all over the world. So, you know, I'm really going to start calling you Kippapoo, um, Stun on These Hoes, Bobby Burke from now on. <laughs> that's, that's your new nickname. Um, yes. Bobby Burke don't play and I live for it. So tell us about like your design passion and sort of like everything that you have going on with the design. Right now, I've got quite a few different things going on. We have my furniture collection with ART, and that is global all over the world. You know, when I had my own stores, I had a furniture collection as well, but on a much smaller scale. You know, I, I manufactured it just for my stores. It was custom. You know, if you ordered a sofa, we made it right then. It wasn't on the scale that it is now. So I, I have my collection with ART. We launched our first collection last year. I'm getting ready to launch some new textile collections. Um, rugs, bedding. Um, I'm in the process of designing some new lighting. I have my art collection, not art furniture, my art actually like art up on a wall. Um, I have a whole collection of art that I've done that I've licensed out, wallpaper. Um. So I will tell you, everyone listening, that Bobby Burke is so talented, has all these business, and I've been asking him for years now to give me some free stuff. And Bobby Burke will not give me free stuff. He'll give me all the design advice in the world. He will FaceTime and look at stuff. He's done it for all of us. But he's come to my house and was like, oh, this is cute. This is great. Maybe look at this. But I'd be like, give me a free chair, Bobby. And Bobby's like, no, girl, buy it. <laughs> if you want to know why Bobby Burke got money, it's because of that. He is not giving away anything for free. He's not giving it to me. He's not giving it to his husband, Dewey. We are all over here paying for Bobby Burke stuff, even though... We are close to him. Bobby Burke, can I shame you now into giving me something for free? All right, I'll give you something for free. I'll give you some advice. <laughs> I want some furniture, Bobby Burke. Can I get a piece of Bobby Burke what? textile? You don't need any more furniture. Your house looks great. Thank you. But can I just get a piece of ART um, Bobby Burke collection? Uh-huh. I'll see what I can do. I'm going to literally make sure I make some type of clip of this so that people can start trolling you and saying, give Karamo something free. Like, literally, we'll start <laughs> the hashtag, and you're going to be so annoyed at the end of it. <laughs> All right, one last thing. You know, Bobby, you know, you are an inspiration, as we can hear from your story. You have went from someone who has had struggles and challenges to someone who has found clarity through loving themselves and by being confident in themselves and never giving up on themselves, which is really important. But what is next for Bobby Burke? Uh, a lot. <laughs> um, you know, I'm never, I'm never happy with just one thing. Like I, I mean, even, even on the show, like a lot of times Netflix and producers will have to be like, Hey, Hey, just focus on being talent. Don't you stop. Just focus on this one thing. You don't need to focus on everything else. That's not me. I, I have to focus on everything congruently with queer. I'm, I'm working on other shows. I've created shows, developing shows. I'm probably in the next year or so going to be starting my own production company. Like I don't want to just be on camera. I want to be creating the content that is going on in front of the camera as well. Um, and producing that I, I find that I actually really thrive as a producer and a creator. So there's a lot of stuff in entertainment, but then also, you know, my, 
my design company and my media company. It's, I guess you can kind of think of it as like a an omni media with uh, with more production as well, but also less jail time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to say this as well, because I love your post on your stories where it's from your blog or your website, Bobby Burke. Yep. BobbyBurke.com. Where you tap into like design and cooking and fitness and everything else. And all I'm saying is, but I just can't wait for it to be Rachel Ray at three, Bobby at four. And both y'all over here teaching us how to cook, design, having heartfelt stories. I'm up for this. I'm down for this. I see this in your future. Because I think you'd be really great at that. And you're building the platform for it. That is definitely one of the projects on the list. I don't know. I don't know if I would do it daytime, though. I've actually put a lot of thought into this. And it's funny that you say Rachel's show because I I love Rachel. I've been on her show many times. She's become a, a dear friend. And when people, you know, when I'm having meetings about this particular project, I always kind of use Rachel as an example because I think she's such an amazing example for what she's done with her career. She took food and that was what she was passionate about. And that's what she was known for where I am known for design. And she took that and she integrated it into a lifestyle brand and a lifestyle show to where, you know, every day on the Rachel Ray show, there's always a food component, but then there's also there's fashion and there's design and there's fitness. And so she did a really amazing job of taking that that one thing that she was really passionate and really good at. Not that she's not good at everything, but food is her thing and turning it into a lifestyle brand and a lifestyle movement. And so I always kind of use Rachel as an example when I'm talking to people about the show that I'm working on that here, you know, look at Rachel, Rachel and the same with Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart took design. Although Martha's still very food and design, but um, they took these things that they were very passionate about and they expanded on them. And that's that's what I want to do with one of the shows that I'm working on is is a lifestyle show like Rachel's. But I don't know if I want to do it daytime. I think I would want to do it late night. Cute. I live. I would want to do it late night because daytime, daytime, you still there's a certain level of of PG-ness that needs to be there for that daytime slot. And as you know, I I have a hard time with that. And so I I think I would You can be very do, un-PG at times, which yeah, I love about I would, you. I kind of like what a, what Snoop and Martha did where they, they've done a, an evening-based show where they can be a bit more colorful. They can be a bit more real because it's, for the most part, it's it's all adults watching you. So you can be a little bit more on the, not necessarily the raunchy side, but, you know, I always picture, I, I don't even think I've talked to her about this yet, but I'm, oh, I always picture like Nicole Byer and I hosting. Work. I, listen, that, I'm starting that petition as well. That's the evening lifestyle show that I want. Me and Nicole, you know, just being crazy and having fun and cooking and doing design and having on guests. I think it would be really cute. Somebody like Nicole and I doing it. So just... Putting that out there, Nicole. So I love this. I love the whole Bobby and Nicole Byer. And I just, even if that doesn't happen, I do love just the idea of you doing something that encompasses lifestyle in an evening type show. I'd watch it. And I know we have, you know, more seasons with Queer Eye. And as it's each of us branch out, what I love about the five of us is that we continue to support each other and love each other and say, you know what, we can always come back together as five but we can also still be individuals. And I think that's what makes us strong is because none of us are losing ourselves, but we also encourage each other. And I just want to let you know as we end how much I love you. 
I am so thankful that I know in my heart of hearts that I will know Bobby Burke for the rest of my life. And um, I wouldn't have it any other way. So, Bobby, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you, love. Thank you. Thank you. And just tell the world, everyone, really quickly, who do you love the most? Me. Okay. Who do you love the second most? Karamo. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I thought this was a test. It was. You got to love yourself. Yes. You got to <laughs> love yourself first. <laughs> thank you, Bobby. I love you. Thank you for joining me today. Of course. I love you too. Bye. I want to thank Bobby for sharing his story with us today. Listen, friends, what I know to be true is that we all at some point in our lives experience pain, loneliness, and uncertainty of what our futures will be and if our dreams will come true. But Bobby is a reminder that with patience, hard work, and the ability to never give up on yourself, even when you feel like the world has given up on you, you can and will find purpose and success. So starting today, I want you to do three things. Every morning when you wake up, tell yourself, I deserve and I will have. Say it with me. I deserve and I will have. Let this be a mantra to remind you that you are worthy of getting the happiness and success you want. Secondly, remember that you can't control the world around you, but you can control your belief in yourself and your future. So when something happens that knocks you down, stand up and realize that you still have the ability to keep going, even if it's a small baby step. And lastly, if things get so hard, Don't be afraid to reach out to your support group, which can be your spouse, your family members, or close friends, and share with them that you are not feeling motivated, and let them pump you up and give you support. Because, to be honest, you don't have to do it all on your own. Friends, as always, thank you for listening and growing with me. Make sure to hit me up on my Instagram and Twitter, at Karamo, to let me know your feelings about today's episode. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us. 